0: Obama slams his lame duck door on the way out, starts an investigation, and gets the heck out of Dodge to Kenya, up next on The Adrian Slade Show.
1: The presidential motorcade has just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas.
0: Destroying the media lies and
1: dismantling the narratives, one story at a time. It's The Adrian Slade
0: Show. So, President Obama knew about Russia before the election... Why
1: didn't he do something about it? Why didn't he tell our campaign?
0: Because it was all a big hoax, that's why. And he thought Crooked Hillary was going to win. (laughs) Yeah, that's Randy Quaid right there. And it wouldn't be another crazy, kooky day in 2018 if it wasn't for some bizarre incident to come up in, uh, you know, in the news cycle. You know, this is perfectly normal for 2018. Only Obama did know. Huh. Seems to be that uh, crazy uh, Randy Quaid was right. This is actually um, something from the Gateway Pundit. President Obama's former director of national intelligence, James Clapper, came clean on CNN and stated that, Former President Obama was behind spying on Trump. James Clapper was on CNN, and he stated that Obama was behind spying on President Trump and all the corrupt and criminal actions involving the government, including the Mueller investigation. According to Obama's former spy chief, James Clapper, who appeared on CNN to say it was Obama who set the entire Russia witch hunt into motion by tasking the intelligence community assessment, Clapper said, quote, If it weren't for President Obama, we might not have done the intelligence community assessment that we did, that set up the whole sequence of events which was still unfolding today, including special counsel Mueller's investigation. President Obama is responsible for that. It was he who has tasked us to do that intelligence community assessment in the first place. Unbelievable. You know, we have been talking about how Obama has been working through organizing for America who has also been working through Democracy Alliance, who has also been siding with Indivisible, the Antifa thug brown shirts. You know, everything that's going on is being conducted by this guy in a decentralized fashion. And when I say decentralized fashion, it's set up in these little pockets of nonprofits and, and different activist organizations to where, you know, they can have some deniability. You know, they can actually not have their hands get too dirty with it. But while all of this is going on, Obama's over there helping his half-sister open up some some new places in Kenya. You know, he's MSNBC reported former President Obama puts his basketball skills to the test while visiting a sports training center located in the village where his father grew up in Kenya. So, yeah, Obama's hanging out in Kenya while all of this is coming out. Listen to this. Three years ago, I visited Kenya
1: as uh, the first sitting American president to come from Kenya. Um,
0: And... uh, Wow, did he slip up and say he was from Kenya? I mean, that ought to get some conspiracy theorists back up in action. Maybe Donald Trump will get out there tweeting about the birth certificate again. Because this guy, he always seems to find himself slipping up. Listen to when he said, uh, my Muslim faith. And of course, you know, George Stephanopoulos has to step in to save the day.
1: You're absolutely right that John McCain has not uh, talked about my Muslim faith. And you're absolutely right that that is not Christian my, my Christian faith. Uh,
0: now, I'm not trying to insinuate that Obama was the Muslim Brotherhood um, or that he was a Muslim at all. But he kind of slipped that one right out, just like he slipped out being from Kenya. It's amazing. But here's the thing. One of the things that was interesting to me was Carrie Pickett. She's a writer for Daily Caller. She was on a show and she was explaining the details behind an article that she had written. The article was about the FBI agents clamoring to be subpoenaed so that that way they could testify and be protected because the whistleblower protection doesn't really give the protection necessary that these FBI agents wanted to you know, have so that, that they can tell their side of the story. And when she was pressed on information that they may be wanting to testify about, she said two things. They were tired of the Clintons and the Clinton Foundation and all the craziness that went on with that. But she also said the Muslim Brotherhood was an issue within the FBI, within, you know, government in general. And they've had their tentacles throughout, you know, think about the people that are hiding around the Clintons and Obama. You know, the people that are always in their orbit. Huma Abedin, listen to this from The Hill. And this goes back to 2016. It's August 23rd news story. Huma Abedin's ties to the Muslim Brotherhood. The Clinton campaign is attempting once again to sweep important questions under the rug about top aide Huma Abedin, her family ties to the Muslim Brotherhood, and to Saudi Arabia and her role in ballooning uh, the ballooning Clinton email scandal. The New York Post ran a detailed investigative piece over the weekend about Ms. Abedin's work at the Journal of... of Muslim minority affairs from 1995 to 2008, a Sharia law journal whose (laughs) editor-in-chief was Abedin's own mother. This is not some accidental association Ms. Abedin was for many years listed as an associate editor of the London-based publication and wrote for the journal while working as an intern in the Clinton White House in the mid-1990s. Her mother, Selah Abedin, sits on the presidency staff council of the International Islamic Council for Dawah and Relief, a group that is chaired by the leader of the Muslim Brotherhood, Sheikh Yusuf al-Qaradawi. Perhaps recognizing how offensive such ties would be to voters and their concerns in the future, especially over terrorist attacks on this country by radical Muslims professing allegiance to Sharia law, the Clinton campaign decided to downplay Ms. Aberdeen's involvement in the Journal and the Muslim Brotherhood. The Clinton surrogate group, Media Matters. Remember, Media Matters is under the umbrella of Democracy Alliance. Media Matters, same organization that is getting Twitter to silence conservatives, that is getting YouTube to demonetize conservatives, that's getting Google to hide the searches of conservative websites, that's getting uh, Facebook to clamp down on conservatives, They claim predictably that there was no evidence that Ms. Abedin or her family had ties to the Muslim Brotherhood and that the Trump campaign staffers who spoke of these ties were conspiracy theorists. To debunk the evidence, Media Matters pointed to Snopes, (laughs) a fact check piece. Listen, Snopes, Snopes is ran by this couple and they have been outed as being a propaganda arm. If you have any sort of scandal on the left, And you Google that scandal, you're going to get two search results every single time. What are they going to be? You're going to get Snopes. You're going to get PolitiFact, both of which are complete BS. But anyways, Media Matters pointed to Snopes and cited it as its sole source, Senator John McCain. This is the same John McCain who met Libyan militia leaders, (laughs) known Al-Qaeda associates, and saluted them as my hero during a 2011 visit to Benghazi. Senator McCain and others roundly criticized Representative Michelle Bachman in 2012 when she and four members of the House Permanent Select Committee Intelligence and the House Judiciary Committee cited Ms. Abedin in letters sent to inspectors general of the Department of Defense, the Department of State, the Department of Justice, Department of Homeland Security, and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence warning about Muslim Brotherhood infiltration of the United States government. In those responses to those critiques, Representative Bachman laid out evidence in a 16-page memo, which has never been refuted by Senator McCain or the elite media. Remember, Senator McCain, the same guy that helped pass along the dossier, the same guy whose campaign uh, advisor was out there telling Obama to get the IRS to attack Tea Party organizations. Yeah, that same McCain, who's constantly being the maverick and is trying to shut down every single uh, conservative agenda that comes down the pike that McCain the evidence in my opinion is overwhelming Huma Abedin is nothing short of a Muslim Brotherhood princess born into an illustrious family of the Brotherhood's leadership so now she's the go-to right-hand man for Hillary Clinton Huma Abedin you know and and that's the thing they are littered throughout the government and what we need to be concerned about is their influence. And what are they gaining? I mean, look, look at Brennan.
1: I have also had the tremendous fortune to travel the world, and as part of that experience, to learn about the goodness and beauty of Islam. As a college student in the 1970s, I spent a summer traveling through Indonesia, taking in the wonderful landscape, culture, and people of Java and Bali. Despite my long hair, my earring, and my obvious American appearance, I was welcomed throughout that country in a way that is a reflection of the tremendous warmth of Islamic cultures and societies. Like the President during his childhood years in Jakarta, I came to see Islam, not how it is often misrepresented, but for what it is how it is practiced every day by well over a billion Muslims worldwide. A faith of peace and tolerance and great diversity. And if you permit me, or I should say, ismahli bad Indonesia, safarat ila Misr. wahunak darast arabiya fi jamna amerikia, for Qahira. wa fi elfwa if and Tunis Kislan
0: yeah that 's your CIA director right there, yucking it up, praying in Islam, calling the Jews al-Quds like Hamas does, the same guy who voted for a communist in 1975 we 'll get into more of that on the other side of the break.
1: This is Adrian Slade.
0: Welcome back. So, CIA Director John Brennan, you know, the guy who thinks Islam is such a sweet religion, and he actually prayed in, in Islam, and he also <laughs> voted for a communist back in 1975. Yeah, this guy is actually pretty concerning as far as this whole Trump-Russia investigation goes. Because now that we've learned that the FISA warrant was based off bunk evidence, remember, the dossier is what they're citing as the kickstart to it all. That information was obtained, originally started by the Washington Free Beacon as opposition research, and they did that with, with Rubio, they did that with Cruz, They didn't just focus on Trump, but when they realized they didn't have much of anything, they abandoned it. And that's when Fusion GPS and the Clinton campaign decided to take it on. And that's how they used the FISA warrant. Well, what's interesting is CIA director John Brennan's role in the entire thing. Kimberly Strousel wrote this at the Wall Street Journal. But the man who deserves a belated bit of scrutiny is former Central Intelligence Agency director John Brennan. He's accused President Trump of venality, moral turpitude, and political corruption, and berated the GOP investigations of the FBI. This week he claimed on Twitter that Mr. Trump, his press conference in Helsinki was nothing short of treasonous. This is rough stuff, even for an Obama partisan. That's what Mr. Brennan is, a partisan, and it is why his role in the 2016 scandal is in some ways more concerning than the FBI's. Mr. Comey stands accused of flouting the rules, breaking the chain of command, and abusing investigatory powers. Yet it seems far likelier that the FBI's Trump investigation was a function of arrogance and overconfidence that that was some partisan plot. No such case can be made for Mr. Brennan. Before his nomination as CIA director, he served as a close Obama advisor. And the record shows he went on to use his position as head of the uh, most powerful spy agency in the world to assist Hillary Clinton's campaign and to keep his job. Mr. Brennan has taken credit for launching the Trump investigation. At a House Intelligence Committee hearing in May of 2017, he explained that he became aware of intelligence and information about contacts between Russian officials and U.S. persons. Quote, the CIA can't investigate U.S. citizens. But he made sure that every information and bit of intelligence was shared with the Bureau, meaning the FBI. This information, he said, served as the basis for the FBI investigation. My sources suggest Mr. Brennan was overstating his initial role. But either way, by his own testimony, he, as an Obama-Clinton partisan, was pushing the information to the FBI pursuant to the act. More notable, Mr. Brennan then took on the lead on shaping the narrative that Russia was interfering with the election specifically to help Mr. Trump, which quickly evolved into a Trump collusion narrative. Team Clinton was eager to make the claim, especially in light of the Democratic National Committee server hack. Numerous reports show Mr. Brennan aggressively pushing the same line internally. Their problem was that as of July 2016, even then, Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, who Rand Paul is trying to get his security clearance ripped which is great if he can pull that off. But anyways, he didn't buy it. He publicly refused to say who was responsible for the hack or ascribe motivation. Mr. Brennan couldn't also get the FBI to sign on to The View. The Bureau continued to believe Russian cyber attacks were aimed at disrupting the U.S. political system generally, not for aiding Mr. Trump. And they were. We all know this. This is Russia interfering with our election is nothing new. This is stuff that's been going on since the Bolshevik revolution, you know, read the book Dupes by Dr. Paul, Paul Kengor. He goes through the accounts throughout history, you know, when they were courting journalists and they were shaping the culture through getting uh, politicians and All of these people to come to Russia and check out the villages, the Pumpkin villages that are, you know, these villages that were fabricated to make it look like Russia was this bastion of wealth and success based on its new political ideology when really people were starving just miles away. I mean, think about some of the things that um, they did over the years, like with Ted Kennedy. With the Reagan ele- election, Ted Kennedy was actually working with the Soviets to try to allow them to have some sort of influence in the election against Ronald Reagan. So the CIA director, an Obama buddy, who's also, I guess he's ascribed to Islam. I mean, who knows? The Muslim Brotherhood has its talons all throughout the government, throughout the FBI, throughout the CIA. And, you know, look at it in the Democrat Party. Keith Ellison, he's a member. I mean, it's amazing to me. And he's like second in line right behind uh, Perez. So it's amazing to me that James Clapper, uh, John Brennan, all of them were in line to shape whatever happened as a deflection into an investigation that Obama started on the way out the door under uh, on Trump because, you know, he basically... Provided this big distraction of this Mueller investigation where he's out there, you know, subpoenaing uh, porn stars and uh, getting companies to come to America that are Russian troll farms that you come to find out are actually legitimate companies and can basically destroy his investigation if they decide to go to court. And then, of course, he drops that whole deal and then he goes after 12 other Russians that are in Russia. That The Russian government will not allow to come over. So, yeah, builds his narrative quite nicely, doesn't it? So what is it that they're hiding behind with this investigation? Those are the real questions, because there's something insidious going on in the background. And I've gone over a few different theories of my own where I thought, okay, the Uranium One deal, that's a big deal. You know, Hillary Clinton didn't just uh, allow everybody to see the information that allowed them to sign off on whether or not this deal was a legitimate deal. You know, that's the that's the go to talking point of the left. They're like, well, you know, all of these different agencies have to sign off to allow this to happen. Well, you know, who knows if they got all the information. But we do know one thing. The organization that profited off of the sale was the Clinton Foundation, because not only did they get a donation from the company who cut the deal, They also gave a speaking fee for Bill Clinton to speak at the event and the bank that handled the finances Spurbank Spurbank was a Russian arm of, you know, it's, it's a, it's the financial arm of Putin and the Kremlin. And what's even funnier is the Podesta group worked with Spurbank. But Tony Podesta, you know, we're going to give him a little nice little immunity deal over here. Never mind the fact that Paul Manafort worked for his company. But yet we're going to have him get immunity because he's a Podesta. And we'll have them testify against Paul Manafort, who, you know, from my shows, I still think there's some shadiness in the Ukraine going on with that guy. But he's locked in solitary confinement where Tony Podesta is getting... You know, he shuts down the Podesta Group as soon as the investigation starts ramping up. And then he goes, oh, you know, I'm gonna get an immunity deal. Thanks, Mr. Mueller. All of this is to hide something. What about Skoklavo? That is the Silicon Valley that the Clintons were out there timeshare selling to all of these companies because they wanted to profit off of it. But the Russians were going to use that project to obtain military intelligence from the United States and weaponize it against us. Clintons make out like bandits again. You know, the Clintons sold fighter jets to Saudi Arabia through the State Department and then, you know, pushed for the sale and then turned around and profited off of it. There's this reoccurring theme. There's also some insidious things that I've been digging into that I really kind of want to mine the territory a little bit more before I can put it out as far as a show. But there's some disturbing things. Look what we did last week. When we talked about the opioid crisis, you know, they benefited off of that because the Purdue Pharma, who was responsible for the opioid crisis and also uh, responsible for pushing the Oxycontin. Well, they donated to the Clinton administration, uh, you know, the Hillary Clinton Foundation and the Hillary Clinton campaign. It's amazing that all of these people have their hands in all of these different areas and they all seem to kick money back. To the Clintons. And we're supposed to act like it's no big deal? I think this Russia collusion story is a deflection to get everybody to look the other way for the things that the Clintons did. And there must have been a lot of people that profited off of it because a lot of people are dying on swords where they didn't have to. Such as the FBI. Such as those like Peter Strzok. So, I don't know. We're going to get into a CIA whistleblower and what he feels is behind a lot of this on the other side of the break stick with me
1: this is adrian slade the Adrian Slade Broadcast. Uh, i like this bunch i gotta tell you you're not gonna be backing down go get them go get them rather than molding <laughs> uh uh Lock her up. Well, <laughs> so rat. Ra- ra- I heard that a long time over the last campaign.
0: Well, Jeff Sessions has reemerged. I was wondering where the heck he was hiding out at. So the crowd chants, "Lock her up," and he makes a joke about how he's heard this a ton of times through the campaign. And, of course, the blue checkmark Twitter journalist crowd complains about how can the chief law enforcement officer be so one-sided to be chanting along with Lock Her Up? Oh, my gosh. Well, he didn't chant along as you just heard. And it's not as though he didn't step aside via recusal to allow another high-ranking chief enforcement officer to become the highest officer in the land and to be the same individual to sign off on a spy warrant a FISA warrant against a private citizen running for public office by obtaining said authority to spy via a court system typically used for terrorism based on the opponent's campaign research and the reputation of a foreign intelligence agency's former officer and with barely little to no vetting or scrutiny by any of the agencies involved. I mean, if we're going to worry about investigative bias... I would be less concerned about Sessions commenting on chants from the crowd and more about the active officer investigating someone running for public office's emails between his mistress that state that, quote, I will stop him from becoming president and F Trump, like between Peter Stroke and the chick he was banging, the attorney of the FBI office of the general counsel, Lisa Page. Yeah, nothing to see here. No conflict of interest whatsoever. I mean, he left all that on the front door, you know, he rolled up his sleeves and painfully conducted the most impartial investigation in the Bureau's history. That's what the left likes us to believe. They're like, oh, yeah, even though he had all this animosity towards Trump, obviously. Yeah. When he got into office, he said, you know what? I'm going to leave that all behind and I'm going to give you some serious investigation and some serious uh, impartiality. Sure. Now, Stroke does have questionable and eye-opening background uh, information about him. I don't know about you, but I wasn't aware of Peter Stroke's Iranian background. Really? Huma Abedin, Valerie Jarrett, Peter Stroke, all with Iranian backgrounds. Let's not forget who we've been talking about a good chunk of the show, CIA Director John Brennan and his conversion to Islam. All of these individuals working in an administration that gave pallets of cash and a one-sided deal to the nation of Iran. The nation that chants death to America. Funny how that happens. So let's take a look for, let's take a look at Peter Strzok. Because Peter Strzok, not only did he, or Peter Stroke a lot of people want to say, you know, I would be stroking, you know. Well, not only was he stroking for Brennan, or stroking for the FBI, he was also stroking for John Brennan's CIA at the same time. He had a position within the FBI that was also uh, co-mingled with a position with the CIA. It's amazing how that happens. Now, Peter Stroke was born in the 1960s. He attended the American School in Iran up until 1978 when it closed down. And then he attended the American School in Saudi Arabia. He supposedly attended a Catholic school, St. John's Prep in Minneapolis, the school refused to confirm or deny attendance, kind of like Obama's college uh, tenure. And then completed a bachelor's at Georgetown. Hmm, that's a great college. They're not progressive by any means, but um, and some form. He might as well have gone to Columbia or Brown and some form of graduate degree after that. The truth is, after Peter's stroke, the third turned eighteen. His life is arcane, which is usually the story of many like him. This is from Big League Politics. Did you know that Peter Strzok II, Strzok's father, and Hillary Clinton have a lot in common? It turns out after advocating for the Khomeini in Iran and then working in Saudi Arabia to claim the waters of an Iranian government, uh, uh, appeasing them with an anti-Semitic rhetoric, Strzok's father, Strzok II, also dabbled in charity work. Strzok's father was involved in uh, so-called charity work in Haiti, but also helped dismantle and reassemble uh, Upper Volta, Known as Burkima Fazo, Peter Stroke II, Stroke's father, also known as Stroke Senior, was an employee of the Catholic Relief Services and was interviewed by the New York Times in 1985 over his testimony uh, or statements regarding mishandling of money for Ethiopia. Yeah, you remember that? Huh? We are the world. Yeah. In the article, he identifies himself as a former employee of the charity and he is retired U.S. Army Corps engineer who served the agency in Africa and Haiti. So Peter Strzok II worked in Haiti with a charity. The Clinton Foundation and the Catholic Relief Services seemed to work together in tangent. Coincidence? Hmm. Peter Strzok Sr. was, as a source reveals, uh, Strzok and his father both talked about Iran favorably and both accidentally reminisced about the rose water smell of the uh, Jujay kebab by... Shimrion Hill, something that disappeared after the 19, uh, 1987, and only those who are old enough to remember can discuss. Peter Stroke is impeccable with Persian. And the insider tells us that Peter Stroke III is the key Middle Eastern intel operative for the Iranian airline Mahan Air's purchase of the United States government's planes during the Obama administration from 2011 to 2013. When Iranian sanctions were in place, He handled the Iranian relations from start to finish, just like his father did for Reagan, and just like he's been doing for years under cloak and dagger, says the uh, big league politics insider. Peter Strokes Sr., of course, John uh, Brennan, they were involved with Iran. In fact, our source tells us that Strokes Sr. was involved with the Iran-Contra scheme that led to the six-month prison term for Reagan's national security advisor, John Poindexter. Back in the 80s, the government was just as corrupt as it is today, And for some reason, we keep giving weapons, planes, and tons of money of cash to Iran. Even Barack Hussein Obama sent money to Iran on a plane in his last year in office, $1.4 million, billion dollars worth. And just a few weeks earlier, Iran demanded Germany send them 300,000 euros in cash on a plane to them. Of course, Angela Merkel complied. So uh, it's amazing to me when you start to see all these different, uh, different intersections between Iran, and those in the Obama administration. And what's even crazier is that while Stroke was stroking and tapping the ass of the uh, FBI attorney, his actual spouse was running cover for the Obama and Clintons, for the Obama administration. It was obstructing any investigation into their actions. Also from big league politics, hours after the FBI found classified Clinton emails on Anthony Weiner's laptop, which is key, Anthony Weiner's laptop is the key to everything, Back to the article. Peter Stroke's wife was promoted to a powerful position in the SEC and immediately blocked all criminal proceedings against the Clintons. According to FBI sources, Peter Stroke and his wife, Melissa Hodgman, were instrumental in preventing Bill and Hillary Clinton from having to to serve jail time for numerous crimes. Melissa Hodgman was promoted to deputy director of the Securities and Exchange Commission Enforcement Division literally hours after Stroke and the FBI Director Andrew McCabe were debriefed about Clinton's emails found on Wiener's computer. And True Pundit reported the FBI's original warrant for the Wiener's laptop was issued in late September 2016, and a subsequent warrant was issued on October 30, 2016, so that the FBI could use Huma Abedin's and Hillary's classified emails as evidence in the reopened Clinton probe. Hodgman was promoted on October 14, 2016, Literally hours after investigations started to examine the laptop's contents for the Clinton emails, assorted files, federal sources confirm. 36 hours after Hodgman was promoted to the SEC, the Wall Street Journal's reporting on the laptop case confirmed the early October timeline divulged to true pundit by FBI sources from the Wall Street Journal. The latest developments began in early October when New York-based FBI officials notified Andrew McCabe, the Bureau's second-in-command, that while investigating Mr. Weiner for possibly sending sexually charged messages to a teenage minor, they had recovered a laptop. Many of the 650,000 emails on the computer, um, were, they said, were from the accounts of Ms. Abedin, according to people familiar with the matter. Two weeks after Hodgman's appointment... The FBI secured a subsequent search warrant to use Hillary and Huma emails from the 650,000 warehoused on the computer as evidence. Now, it's discovered Stroke's wife was promoted to a very powerful position in the SEC with oversight of which securities and financial crimes cases get forwarded to the FBI DOJ for prosecution. I mean, was this happenstance? I don't know about that. (laughs) So why would all this happen? Well, enter the Clinton Foundation. We now know that the FBI knew after they seized the laptop during a search warrant that we at Wieners and Huma Abedin's Manhattan residence that there were thousands of documents on the laptop related to the Clinton Foundation, including offshore financial records with Hodgman and the SEC and stroke at the FBI. It would be virtually impossible to even know what cases linked to the Clinton Foundation had criminal merit if each were trying to keep all things Clinton-related quiet. Same thing with Schneiderman. Remember that guy, Schneiderman, that, you know, the attorney general of New York who was beating women, getting them drunk, taking advantage of them? Yeah, he kind of looked the other way on a lot of foreign donations into the Clinton Foundation as well. So the current, the current, going back to the article, the Clinton business plan to monetize government is broader than simply gaming one agency. They saw an opportunity to create an unregulated globalist government and seeded many organizations with like-minded persons, some of whom were simply naive, but a lot of them were ultimately corrupt. And I think that's where the crux of this entire thing comes from. I think, again, when you look at Skoklovo, the Silicon Valley in Russia that they were trying to uh, peddle in, in exchange for kickbacks to the Clinton Foundation, which Russians planned on using as... A way to uh, gain access to military intelligence from the United States. You look at Uranium One selling one fifth of the United States' uranium to the Russian government. You look at the fact that the opioid crisis was allowed to happen under Purdue Pharma, another organization that donated to the Clintons. You look at the fact that there's this crazy in the background, um, these sex cults, Nexium, Sanctum all somehow have ties to donations to the Clinton Foundation. You look at the fact that there's uh, all of these other crazy situations with the Clintons profiting off of all this and the Obama administration also getting something for the Muslim Brotherhood with their relation with Iran, which we'll get into on the next break, about how Iran is working with the Muslim Brotherhood in a "the friend of my enemy is my friend kind of situation. Um, There seems to be a lot in the background that I think this entire Trump-Russia investigation was built and designed to deflect from and to discredit Trump coming in as the president. Back in a second.
1: This is Adrian Slade.
0: Adrian Slade Broadcast. Okay, so the premise for this show, for today's show, is twofold. According to Carrie Pickett from The Daily Caller, When speaking about the phenomenon that she reported on of FBI agents itching to be subpoenaed to enjoy the extra protections for providing their witness that the typical whistleblower protections don't provide, she stated there were two things that they wanted to testify. And these are the things they really were concerned about. It was the Clintons and the Clinton Foundation, and secondly, the Muslim Brotherhood. So it's kind of interesting. And I really don't have conclusive uh, evidence connecting all of this together but i find all of these different stories that i brought about to you interesting that they all have characteristics of all of this you know with the obama administration and his uh, handlers and advisors and people that are in the democrat party you know they're they're all littered with the muslim brotherhood the muslim brotherhood's basically taken over the democrat party keith ellison andre carson um, there's tons of people within the Democrat Party that are affiliated with the Muslim Brotherhood. But then there's also the Clinton connection and the Clinton Foundation. Those people are profiting off of anything they can and any any way to exploit their power to make a buck off of it. And remember, the Obamas and the Clintons aren't really, you know, family. They're not getting along. You know, they ain't friends but they do have a mutual interest in hiding whatever it is that they're hiding, that they're putting behind this Trump uh, collusion, Russia collusion smokescreen, this investigation that Bob Mueller's gone two years on without bringing anything to the table. And it's also interesting that Hillary Clinton was able to bait Obama into corresponding on her private server, so when Obama's out there going, oh, I didn't know anything about the private server. Never once did I know anything about it. I learned about it on the news. He actually corresponded with it. So he would be complicit in whatever kind of illegal game she's playing with her private server in the bathroom that you have to jiggle the, uh, the toilet handle a couple times to get the, uh, the VPN to work. So remember that these two issues are at hand, and it's you wonder why Obama had such a hatred for Netanyahu and for the Israeli nation as much as he did, uh, you know, without even knowing Netanyahu beforehand? I find that pretty interesting. You know, I mean, these are things that no one really cared to mind, or if you did, you were just labeled uh, a conspiracy theorist. But why is it that the Democrat Party was littered with members of the Muslim Brotherhood. Why is it that the Obama administration aided Egypt in becoming a Muslim Brotherhood-ran nation? You mix that into Hillary Clinton using the State Department to funnel money to her family's foundation off the sale of you know, jets to Saudi Arabia and the uranium uh, sale to Russia, and one not need to contact too many dots before one makes uh, a Carrie Matheson bulletboard board of uh, nebulous connections. I mean... I believe both are entangled and behind the scenes in corruption that would cause the majority of America to soil their drawers and call for the upheaval of the swamp. So as far as the Clintons go, a CIA whistleblower had this to say about, uh, you know, about what was going on with the Clintons, according to Zero Hedge. James Clapper, director of national intelligence, was protecting her and leaking things to the media and lying. You had John Brennan, director of the CIA, protecting her by starting a false investigation on Trump and stirring things up with this false unverified dossier. You had James Comey, director of the FBI, protecting her. Then you had Peter Stroke protecting her. And now it appears the United Kingdom was using NSA information to target Donald Trump and protect Hillary Clinton, who is an intellectual and one of the founding thinkers of the Brotherhood who was killed in prison in Egypt in 1966. They also share the same politics. Both support Palestine and are opposed to Western powers. During the 1980s, the Iranian Islamic Republic had been a role model for many leaders of the Brotherhood, such as Fatih Yaqan in Lebanon and Rashad Ghanachi in Tunisia. Founder of the movement of the Islamic Tendency No, you know, in 2012, Mohamed Morsi, leader of the Freedom and Justice Party, close to the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, became the the country's first democratically elected president of the Republic. Iran applauded. Two months later, Morsi went to Iran during the non-aligned movement summit. This was a real event for, since 1979, Iran had not forgiven Egypt for signing a peace treaty with Israel. Nevertheless, after a 33-year diplomatic freeze, an Egyptian president was invited into Tehran as a Muslim brother. When Morsi was overthrown by the army in July 2013, Hussein Amir Abadalin, Iran's deputy minister of Arab affairs, claimed that Iran had condemned the coup. Quote, we did assure the Egyptian authorities that we do not consider the Muslim Brotherhood like a terrorist organization. However, we did attend the investor ceremonies of President Sisi, he said. Amir Abdallah said Iran had called on the Egyptian army to exercise restraint, condemning the brutalities that occurred in Egypt against the Muslim Brotherhood. In January 2014, the Egyptian authorities, offended by the Iranian support to the Brotherhood, called in in the Iranian ambassador in Egypt, Mahatab Amali. This coup d'etat did more bad than good for Egypt. Indeed, there are now two forces, the Brotherhood, and the partisans of Mashal Sisi. Egyptian society is split in two, said Amir Abdalin. But a bigger split occurred over Syria. Tehran has not forgiven the former Egyptian president for attending in Cairo in June 2013 an Islamic conference for the victory of Syrian people. Morsi had announced then that Egypt would cease all diplomatic relations with Syria and criticized the military intervention carried out by the Lebanese Hezbollah the key Arab partner for Tehran, while supporting Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. Patrick Haini, a former research, uh, researcher at the Center for Economic Judicial and so- uh, Social Study and Documentation in Cairo, and an expert on Egypt, called the conference a turning point. Important Salafi leaders attended like a Sunni front to support the Syrian revolution. The Brotherhood felt threatened. Some of their leaders, such as Karat al-Shadr, we were close to the Salafist, who at one time represented 25% of the Egyptian voters, he said. The Syrian crisis confused Iran and all organizations who claimed some sort of affiliation with Hassan al-Banna, the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood. In February 2012, Anada was leading Tunisia, where an international conference of Syria's friends was taking place. So we know that Syria was contentious for Iran, but the Brotherhood actually reconciled At at a certain point afterwards. And then Iran basically set up shop in Syria. I mean, and I wonder if that's one of the things that, you know, there's two proponents of of the whole Russian collusion narrative on the Republican side who have been outspoken and supportive of it. That'd be John McCain. And that would also be Marco Rubio. Now, remember, John McCain and Marco Rubio were photographed in Libya with al-Qaeda, you know, going on and on about how we liberated Gaddafi, uh, or liberated Libya and got rid of Gaddafi. And then there was Operation Zero Footprint, which was the gun-running campaign of taking Gaddafi's weapons, funnel it through the, the embassy in Benghazi, and over to the fighters, the al-Qaeda fighters, or al-Nusra, and what have you, in Syria to topple Assad. Now remember, there was also a CIA annex situated right down the street from the Benghazi embassy. See, these are all just things I'm noticing. I'm not trying to insinuate that this is the reasoning behind it, but doesn't it make you ask questions? Aren't you just curious about why all of these people, with all of these questionable backgrounds, remember, England is one of the countries that was the first to jump at any sort of attack on the citizens of Syria by Assad over so-called chemical attacks. Well, British intelligence helped... McCain and helped this whole Russian investigation. So it makes you ask a lot of questions. Speaking of questions, you can tweet at the show at Rants Out Loud or at Adrian Slade Show up on Twitter. Hit me up with questions. So we get that the Iranian regime, even though they're Shia in makeup as far as the type of uh, Muslim they are, they do have some alliances with the Muslim Brotherhood. We know Huma Abedin worked. Her her mother was closely aligned and worked with the Muslim Muslim Brotherhood. We know Valerie Jarrett was from Iran. We know Huma Abedin has an Iranian background. We know Peter Struck has an Iranian background. We know Obama tried to give Iran pallets of cash in a great nuclear deal that really was something that screwed us as America. And we know the Clintons profited off of all of these moves. So whatever's happened. Uh, whatever's going on behind the scenes with this Trump Russia collusion that Obama kickstarted, and Brennan was able to push into motion with his office, and the FBI was able to turn into a circus. We know all of this was done because if it had been a typical political uh, operative that had come from the school boards to the governorship or senate, you know, senatorship, and ended up becoming president. Like a Jeb Bush or a Kasich, they probably would have looked at it and said, well, for the good of the country, we're just going to have to put this aside. But that's not the case. We ended up with an outsider like Donald Trump, who has none of that political history, and that scared the living death out of him. I think that is why we're dealing with what we're dealing with. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker. Tune in, you can also check us out on Spotify, get the free Roku channel in your Roku streaming store, Ch- donate online at ad- uh, patreoncom Show. We're also on Mojo 50. We'll see you next time.